Welcome to Biblical Brainstorm, the Seth and Chandler podcast. I'm Seth. This is our man, not just my man, but your man too, Chandler. What's up, Chandler? Hey, how's it going? All right. Doing pretty good. How about you? Good. I just had a weekend at uh, my first SBL conference. Um, Nice, nice. uh, So I did that yesterday in Dallas. Um, For those of you who don't know, uh, SBL is the Society of Biblical Literature. It is the um, longest standing biblical society on scholarship um, in the world. Um, It's impressive. Yeah, it's it's not um, necessarily Christian. It's just, you know, a Christian atheist, any any scholarly material that has to do with the Bible at all. um, It, um, you know, they have people present papers and lectures and uh, panels. And so it was a pretty cool experience, um, you know, seeing nice. some other PhD students and present papers on the Old Testament, the New Testament. Uh, I got to rub elbows with those guys a little bit, professors. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. So now it was, uh, I learned some things. It was pretty cool. Um, maybe we'll we'll talk about that at some point with some of the, the content I um, I listened oh, yeah. to. But, sure. but yeah, what about you? What's How's your weekend? Not too bad. Uh, just kicked off spring break. So uh, came back home uh, late Friday night. And uh, just kind of been so you guys had an early compressing. Yeah, it's kind of a. Um, I feel I feel like Lee's Lee University spring breaks are always weird compared to every other university. They're either early or late, and they're never at the same time. But maybe that's a good thing. Miss all the craziness and traffic and whatnot, and the beaches aren't as crowded. There you <laughs> but, go. Yeah, it's uh, it's been warming up though. I mean, it's getting. I don't know about Texas, but it's been getting pretty hot here. Uh, no, it's been warming up. It's been we've had a cold spell for a while, and yeah. uh, now we're finally getting into some warmer weather. Um, of course, being up in Tennessee, it's still hot, but it's been cold up until pretty much last week, and then it just shot up to the mid to high seventies, and it's been you know, real toasty. Yeah, but I've kind of been enjoying the cold. I was kind of hoping it would stay a little longer, but mm-hmm. I guess it's can't deny it. It's almost spring, so got to be ready yeah. for the heat now. <laughs> yeah, and it's, but, Especially in August, Texas in August is not going to be fun. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> but good. I'm glad to be on uh, spring break, though. I needed a break. Yeah. So, when's your spring I, break, by the way? Um, it's two weeks. Well, no, a week and a half. So. Oh, okay. So you're just coming up. I mean, I'm mostly online classes anyway, so it really doesn't affect me either way. But you know, right. uh, <laughs> at least other people will be be more available. <laughs> nice. So. Well, today we are starting a new series and. Uh, it's definitely a, a topic that I'm interested in from just something that I've been involved in my whole mm-hmm. life, pretty much. And I know it's if you're a Christian, it's an integral part of what we do every week together in church. So mm-hmm. what's our series, Chandler? Uh, yeah, so we are, and I'll put the banner on the bottom here, Worship uh, in the Old Testament. It's today's episode. Nice. Uh, so we're doing a um, worship mini worship series uh, for the next few weeks. Next week will be worship in the New Testament, what that looks like. And um, I don't know Greek, but, you know, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll be able to get some insight on that. Um, but today will be a little easier for me since I'm learning Hebrew, some of that stuff there. Because um, you're learning Hebrew just on your own, right? Well, I'm actually taking classes for it. So I'm oh, you are? Hebrew, okay. I'm in Hebrew too um, right now, and I'll take two more Hebrew classes in the summer. And nice. then hopefully... If I take two more somewhere else, like more, you know, that they offer somewhere else, then I could technically teach Hebrew at the college level. Because I think nice. all you, I think all you need at the collegiate level is 18 credits in uh, any graduate level 
court like courses uh, yeah. to be able to teach that subject. And I think that's true with any type of subject, like a certain type of history or language or whatnot. Um, so yeah, that would nice. uh, that would be a cool side thing if I can pull off getting a, another two classes out of it somewhere. That would be uh, pretty cool. I could teach it one day. But um, yeah, I'm excited for a worship series after New Testament. We'll probably get into early church and then more topical stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but today we'll be focused right in to Old Testament. What is what is worship in the Old Testament? What does it look like? And uh, a little bit of history, a little bit of uh, just kind of studying what worship is. So it's kind of a blend of a little bit of everything, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I, I wish I had say. more images this time. I couldn't find too many many good things, but um, I do have some verses to pull up. Um, nice. So the first thing is let, let's define worship, right? Because okay. that has that has just a lot of um, not connotations to it, but people think of a million different things when they think of the word worship. It's just kind of become an all-encompassing word that means a million different things, you know, and depending yeah. on how you grew up and your context and even religion, uh, you look at worship a certain way. You think of, you know, the word worship in a certain way, maybe with yeah. your experiences in church, maybe it's with singing songs, maybe it's in a liturgical uh, setting, um, maybe in it's, um, you know, and, and if you're not religious, something that's kind of weird and wacky out there. Uh, or if you are Pentecostal, it is weird and wacky. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> you're not, you're not uh, wrong. <laughs> you know, and we, we can we can poke fun because we are you know come from a Pentecostal tradition, so we, True. <laughs> we're all we're all for worship. That is, uh, oh yeah, we don't want, we wouldn't want it any other way. <laughs> Crazy and wacky, the only way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, sorry, we started a little bit late, like a minute or two. I know we had some te technical difficulties, but now we're we're jumping right into it. Oh, yeah. So, we got uh, this. The, yeah. Internet problems can't stop us. <laughs> can't All right. Stop so, where, so where are we starting here? Uh, yeah. So with the definition, um, I just, you know, our English definition of worship is the feeling or expression of reverence okay. and adoration for a deity uh, okay. or the show or to show reverence, as, you know, as a verb to show reverence and adoration for a deity uh, honor with religious rights. So, and you said that's in the Hebrew definition, right? No, no, that's just our English modern definition so of, of, of Hebrew, or not Hebrew, of worship. So what is worship to us, right? And that def definition doesn't even really help us that much because that's still pretty all-encompassing. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, so I mean, just honor, a, does it include up in church right? worship? We just kind of associate it with, you know, our own, the way we use it. But, I mean, it's a word just like anything else. So it's mm -hmm. getting down to the root of it. Definitely uh, it's yeah. interesting seeing how we... Kind of don't think yeah i mean we define it you know in, in a couple of different ways is it you know we it's a show of reverence maybe it's connected with honor maybe it's connected with religious rights uh it's connected to this feeling or expression it's connected to adoration which is a you know big word there um so it's kind of all of those things a little bit of everything with you know what, how we define worship um because there's different expressions of it right um but the key word too is adoration out of yeah. this and I think even the learning Spanish, the Spanish word, they don't have the word worship. They have the word adoration. Adoration is the okay. word for worship, um, which is interesting, too. So it's just kind of like worship is, I don't know if it's only like an English thing, you know, the way we say that. But it means, you know, or one definition of worship is adoration, right? Okay. And that's, um, you know, Spanish, I think even more Latin speaking languages define it as, okay, adoration, Um which in itself, you know, is just 
kind of glorifying God. It's giving it's thanks. It's like being drawn to to God, right? Mm. It's just a sense of um, adoring, adoration, right? Adoring God, right. loving God. So, yeah, if anything, that, that might be a more accurate description. Yeah, more, at least in sense of yeah, one in one sense, yeah. So then we go to you know the Hebrew Bible here, and um, now we're like, well, how did they define worship, right? What is worship in in the Old Testament like? What is did they have a word for worship? Uh, what does it look like? And so I'm so I was actually surprised to find that there's a lot of different words in Hebrew that kind of describe. Mm-hmm. A lot of different things of worship or what we might call all-in-one worship yeah. is a lot of different things in Hebrew. So one Hebrew word um, is uh, shecha, which is to bow down, right? It's okay. a verb to, to bow down or to pay homage to, um, to, to worship, right? Um, so right. this is, this is uh, when you read this word in the Old Testament, sometimes it's like literally just bowing down. Um, sometimes just paying honor to, and sometimes you know the translators translate as worship because that's essentially what what the the act of bowing down in their sense was. Uh, and, I, and there's an example of this um, here. I can I can pull up a, one of the verse examples. So like Job. So when you know everything bad happened to Job, mm-hmm. uh, and in this you know case in in 120 verse or verse 20 chapter one. Says then uh, Job arose and tore his clothes and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And so this fell to the ground and worshipped. That's all kind of in this the same word of the shacha, right? It's the bowing down in honor, in homage, in worship to to God. Okay. Uh, so this, yeah, when you had brought up the whole idea of worshiping in the Old Testament, I mean, I never really thought about that. Going back and looking, like you know, how did they, how did they worship really? Mm-hmm. And I mean, we'll get into some of those different things where, you know, looking into it's like, oh, okay, maybe I didn't realize that. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely one of those in- instances where he didn't have a church to go to with music and stuff to, yeah. you know, go <laughs> worship with all, worship with everybody. I mean, their idea of worship back then was definitely a lot different. And sometimes we just kind of glance over it because we don't really recognize either yeah. the word or the phrasing or the tradition. Or, mm-hmm. And especially kind of a modern person like, um, reading this of okay he worshiped so does it mean he like sang a song does it mean he yeah. like you know did he go did he play the guitar and so there's a lot of different like uh presuppositions we come in into the text with and yeah. just kind of like at a base level this verse is really just describing that job bowed down he um he honored the lord he basically fell um uh, prostrate right he was just right. um paying homage to right and worship to to god yeah um and so that, that's that's one example. There's another example um, in Genesis 2, 20, uh, 22.5. There's actually a lot of verses that use this word of, of shecha, right? Okay. Um, which, you know, in this case, then Abraham said to the, the young man, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship, right, and come again okay. to you. And so this is interesting because, you know, is this <laughs> the situation here yeah. where he's going off and um, with, with Isaac, the sacrifice of Isaac stuff. And, you know, is, is he setting up an altar? Is he, I mean, we know that he's setting up the sacrifice of Isaac here, but it's just kind of an interesting thing where I was like, oh, this word here is used of him literally just bowing down, like he's paying homage. He's, so it's kind of all of those, those little concepts there of, of yeah. bringing honor to, of bowing, literally bowing down, kind of like it's associated with a physical act. So yeah. we now think of it just as a feeling, you know, it's like, okay, I'm worshiping God. Maybe you look up, maybe you lift your hands. Um, 
but you know we're talking about a, an eastern culture here an honor culture here we're talking about yeah. um where literally they're most of the time literally bowing down with their bodies right like they're they're bowing down in honor and worship to god yeah, um, the motivation i think over the years has stayed the same it's just the expression that's you mm-hmm. know, changed over the years and like you said back then we got job we got abraham to them you know worshiping is you know bowing showing reverence like you said mm-hmm. and it's even though when we think you know when we go we think worshiping god has to include songs and whatnot but mm-hmm. technically it doesn't have to i mean yeah you could take the stance of these guys and you just know it's just you know, maybe not have to physically god. bow but it's just you know showing that respect the honor the adoration and mm-hmm. uh just breaking it down to its purest form mm-hmm yeah, and then even in Exodus, and it doesn't have to just be an individual thing. It could be like a corporate uh, set of a as a corporate thing too. So even in Exodus four uh, thirty one, it says, "And the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that He had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped." So that, I mean, that's you know, with the translators helping us here, they're saying they didn't just bow down; they bowed down and worshipped. But it's, you know, all the the same word there. It's you know the this idea gotcha. of bowing down, worshiping, honoring God, right, in reverence, um, okay. corporately in this case, which is pretty interesting because then we mm-hmm. kind of have this sense of like, okay, this is what we do a little bit in the church, um, yeah. where it's like, okay, we're collectively bringing, bowing down and showing reverence and honor to God. And um, so I, I think it's helpful, though, to see see what they did. You know, it's yeah. like, how, how did they, how did they respond? What was their version of worship like? Um, and that maybe could give us a couple of pointers. Now it's like, do we honor God and, rever- you know, do we have reverence toward God like they did? Yeah. Uh, we just, it's easy to think, oh, God's my best friend, you know, and, and you just like, he gets me, but there, we've sometimes lost this type of honor, right? And this reverence right. and literally bowing down sometimes to even express that. Uh, yeah, well, worship in our modern sense with worship services and music and, you know, being in that kind of a setting, even though that's, that's great and everything. And it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's definitely can be a powerful form of worship. You know, you don't always have to have that. Sometimes it's all you have, all you have to do is just you know, like they, like they said, these verses, you just kind of mm-hmm. bow your head and, you know, just kind of in your own way, just kind of communicate and worship with God, just, mm-hmm on your own and you know, don't necessarily have to have all the extra stuff. You know, it can be as simple as just you and God. Sometimes you can do that with a group of friends and kind of like they're saying in this verse, yeah. but in this case, yeah, we have examples of uh, individual and corporate. So yeah, of this bowing down, act of bowing down of reverence of honor and worship. Um, there's a, there's a couple other words too. Uh, so that's just one sense or what we would put under the category of worship. But um, there's another Hebrew word, which is Bakar. Uh, or okay. bakar, bakar, it's hard to say that the the cough letter because yeah. it's so similar to the K. You know the the um, you know the version of the of the K. Okay. It's like a Q. It's almost like a Q. You got to pronounce it further back in the throat, like ha, ha. without <laughs> without um, yeah. I don't know. It, it's you know I don't speak languages naturally, but bakar, which is literally to kneel or to bless, right? Okay. Um, so the. This is almost like a, a step, you know, we're going up, right? We, we've started where we're bowing down, like we're completely bowing down, right? <laughs> we are <laughs> prostrate to the ground. Now there's another word, right, Makar, which is to to kneel or to bless, right? We're, so we're just, we're kneeling, 
we're blessing um we're and it's more of like a it's almost I like guess, we're in the stages of an infant yeah where i you're mean kind of starting crawling and then you're kind of getting on your knees a little bit yeah i mean these are there's different examples of this word it's, it's used in different passages too but this is like um I guess, I guess this is a little closer to adoration in this course. You know, you yeah. know bless the Lord, oh my soul, you know, verses like that, you know. Um, and yeah, there's true. even in Psalms 27, 4, this is where, um, or a couple of these, oh, actually, and, and uh, as well, the word uh, tahala. And so, I mean, there's a lot of words to describe different expressions of worship. Tahala yeah. means literally praise or like a song of praise. Okay. Like a hymn, right? And so now we got okay bowing down reverence. Now we have um, bakar, which is to kneel or bless. We have praise and and song of praise, which is uh, the tahala, right? Now we're getting the kind of musical aspect into yeah, it. Yeah, more of like you know musical aspect, right? Um, and this is actually it was the wrong verse thirty one. Yeah, here we go. So this is this is where both uh, show up here. So now we have uh, I will bless the lord right which the root word here is bakar right um i will bless the lord i will you know kneel down to the lord at all yeah. times His, now david wasn't the one that first one to necessarily blend the singing and worship together right i mean they had the song of moses and you know some different examples yeah. like that in the old testament but it was probably wasn't as common i think david probably made that a little bit more um Kind of more well, common in his day, maybe, but yeah. Well, in fact, so, it's not even unique to the um, in the ancient Near East. So later, I'll, I'll show you guys um, some other cultures like praise and what theirs looked like a little bit okay. um, like Babylonian and, and stuff. And so you can kind of see how this is a part of like a cultural uh, element, but also you can see some of those divert little bit of divergences, right? Which you're kind of mentioning. It's like, okay, David, you know, he's a warrior king, but he's got this kind of like worship soft side, you know, musician, yeah. all that. So would um, you say that the worship, um, the very, like maybe the origins of how we associate worship with music and stuff, would you say that was more or less copied from some of these other religions of the day or like, uh, um, like the Israelites saw it and they copied it and we just didn't, we don't think much about it now, but. I mean, I hate to use the word copy, right? Because it's almost like, do we really copy things even today that are like common to other cultures, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, to play the devil's advocate, I say copy. Copy. But. Yeah, because it's, like, it's all part of the same cultural mm -hmm. like stream here, where it's yeah. like if, if everybody's kind of viewing deities with reverence, they're all going to bow down, right? If they're all kind mm -hmm. of like singing praise, then those will kind of look a little bit similar, but obviously different between cultures. So there's, um, yeah, there, there's definitely differences and similarities, more similar than different, I would say, especially given it's the same geographic area and cultures. But there is some uniqueness in the Hebrew expression of, of worship, and especially with viewing God as less transactional, but as a loving God who keeps his covenant mm -hmm. and who is, like, faithful even when, you know, we weren't right. Like yeah. when Abraham wasn't and when David wasn't. And, and so you have this steadfast love, this everlasting love. Um, so it's interesting here though. We got two different, two of the different words here. You know, I will bless the Lord, you know, Bakar, and at all times his praise, right. To Hala, right. Mm -hmm. Shall continually be in my mouth. 
Um, so it's cool that we get both words there in, in the same yeah. verse. So it's like, okay, I will, you know, and it's a good model for us. It's like, I will kneel before the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will at all times. Like, I will kind of show that. I mean, it's not really the full reverence, like um, like the first word, you know, to bow down. Mm. But it's like, it's almost like a step in the middle, right? I'm kneeling, I'm showing some reverence, but I'm like blessing the Lord. I'm thanking him, right? Okay. Uh, his praise will be on my mouth, which this praise, it's... Um, I was about to ask, is there much of a difference between praise and worship, the words? Yeah, I mean, because we kind of confuse it sometimes. I feel like we have praise reports. It's like somebody, you know, <laughs> modern day, when we say praise or praise reports, it's just, it seems like you're celebrating something, yeah. right? Whereas this, it's less of like a celebration of something. And Tahala is more of like literally a song of praise. It's like okay. there is this element of... It almost seems like praise is more like upbeat and worship is more intimate kind of a thing. At least, yeah. And they said this in Hebrew sense, right? You got yeah. the you got the bowing down, the reverence, and this is more of like, okay, I'm lifting, I'm using my voice. Uh, I'm not just bowing down. Now I'm using my voice. I'm kneeling. I'm blessing the Lord. I'm singing to the Lord, right? Because um, I mean, so, even now we make the distinction with praise and worship. It's not just praise. Or that's true. Just worship. We do make it's, a distinction because it's kind of like. I think the, I think if you asked a lot of people that just are either average churchgoers or worship team members, I think they probably would say, and I mean, this could just be my opinion, but maybe you think the same thing. But I'd say praise would be like the first couple fast songs you do because it's you know upbeat and happy and you're you know, praising mm -hmm. God and all that, and then the worship is when the slow songs come in, and that's the more you know intimate kind of stuff yeah. where it's more serious. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they're both important. And so it's, you know, that's why they're always together, but there is a little bit of a difference into how you do it. So mm -hmm. yeah. Know, would you say that I'm wrong with that or? No, I mean, I, I'm not big. I wouldn't know. Cause I, I'm not a big music person. <laughs> so okay. I've, never, I've never been on a worship team. So I really don't know. How, well, I mean, as far as like the, uh, how you, yeah. as far as the connotations that go with each word. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. I would, I would agree. Okay. Um, because I'm trying to think back, I was like, I guess there is a pattern like that where they just start up upbeat and then they kind of go into slower <laughs> songs, you know, just thinking back. Sometimes they start fast and then they do like a medium tempo and then they go into the slow. Sometimes it's just yeah. fast, right? The slow, but sometimes they'll do the slow first and fast last. But yeah. You're giving us all the strategies here. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, you're giving all the secrets of the worship team. See, even, even evangelical and charismatic people have a liturgy. You didn't even know it. Yeah, and that's you know we're, we'll talk about. I'll bring some of that stuff up a, a little later. Like this whole idea. Of, you <laughs> it's like everybody does have a form, right? Everybody does have a liturgy. Yeah. Everybody does have a tradition that they follow one level, even if they say they don't have a tradition, right? If they're non-denominational in any sense. Um, Technically, not having right. a tradition is a tradition. Yeah, and because then they like have the same kind of worship songs and style, and you know mm -hmm. everybody everybody follows a model one way or another. Which One thing funny. that was cool before spring break, um, me and my sister went to um, a liturgical chapel at Lee. They have a couple different chapels you can go to. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of them is at a, like a very nice, um, it's called a stone chapel where it's a big building with steeple stained glass. And it's more of like a, a Catholic or a Episcopalian type of a interior where it's all wood and wooden pews and choir mm -hmm. and big lectern and all that uh, pulpit. And, um, it was interesting. I hadn't gone to one of those chapels yet. 
Um, mm -hmm. So it was interesting going and having the doing the worship with the organ, and then you have the worship leader come up front to the pulpit, and he leads the choir behind him, and it's just organ mm -hmm. and vocals. And it's interesting seeing you know how they do their worship compared to how I've been doing yeah. worship my whole life. Not saying that's wrong. It's just yeah. Well, at the FBL conference yesterday, I was talking to an Eastern Orthodox guy who's nice. a pastor at Boise State. That was kind of interesting. I mean, he had some perspectives on things. I was like, I never actually talk in person with somebody who is Eastern Orthodox. I've you know talked, mm -hmm. I've seen people you know uh, post and different things online that that they're Eastern Orthodox, but yeah. um, it, it's definitely like interesting getting their perspective on the Ukraine yeah. crisis and then uh, you know the different liturgies, how they do things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is it. And what's surprising here, like even in the Hebrew is that there are so many words describing, you know, they have distinctions here between, you know, uh, Bakar and, and Tahala and uh, Shacha and, uh, and even this one, um, Barak, right? Barak okay. which is to, um, oh wait, uh, okay. Oh, I was wrong. So I just, I've, Flipped up my Hebrew here. Yeah, so Barak, <laughs> Barak is to kneel and bless. Okay. Yeah, to bless. I was like, Baruch, yeah, that's a blessing. Duh. Um, <laughs> Barak is to bless. And Tahala is praise, like I said, song of praise. Right. Okay. You get the song of praise, which is Tahala, which is literally that, you know, the, the expression, right, out of your mouth. And then um, Bar Barak, which is to kneel, to bless. Right. Okay. Like um, Bakar, I, I got ahead of myself. Bakar is... Another expression of words, it's to seek or meditate or inquire. Right? Okay. Uh, so that that's, you know, example here, again, David, because David's just on top of worship, man. Anything that has to do with worship, <laughs> it's all over the Psalms. Which, he's like know, the man's man. He's a musician. He's a warrior. And uh, I guess just they, they say, you know, the Psalms, right? The Psalms and hymns, like it literally has, you know, it's every worship leader's like go-to, right? And there's right. for a reason. It's for a reason. Oh, um, yeah. Because of because of the Psalms, but you know here one thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after right that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire there's that word in His temple or meditate in His temple um, to to seek right to seek to inquire to meditate so that, that's another expression of what we would put under the whole umbrella of, of worship right. Okay. He's in the temple of the Lord, and he is seeking God. He's um, inquiring. He's meditating. And I would say it's, like, connected to what we would call as intercession, you know, or um, okay. something. But the, only to seek, right? But then it doesn't really capture the meditation part of it, which I think, you know, then you would just say the word meditation. It's like <laughs> meditating. You know, I meditate on the, on the word day and night, you know, um, yeah. like David puts, or the law of God. All right, so there's so that's um, that's bakar, right? So we have bakar, which is to seek, to meditate, to inquire. We have shakha, which is to bow down, pay homage to, to worship, to show reverence. Um, we have barak, which is to bless, to kneel. We have uh, tahala, which is to praise, song of praise. And then we have another word too, which is um, uh, rana, rana or ranan, right? Okay. So ranan or rana. This is to to give a ringing cry, right? Okay. Until as literally translated, but it's literally to sing with joy or to rejoice or to sing. So this is where we get the literal musical, like 
singing, right? A ringing cry, which when you think of it, like singing really is just a ringing cry. <laughs> right. It's interesting how they described it that way. Uh, to uh, borrow uh, Elf's definition of singing, you know, it's just like talking, except it's louder and you move your voice up and down. Wow, that's a great definition. <laughs> now that I think of it, you know, Elf the movie, yeah, they did a great job. Uh, you you know. nailed that one. Yeah, that's true. Um, it, the, the Hebrews, they described it a ringing cry, right? So this is singing. And uh, an example of this, of uh, Renan, is I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Or his his song, his singing, his praise will, will be in my mouth, right? Mm. So this is uh, like, you know, I think in the New Testament, Paul says, you know, like read one another, like, like uh, songs and hymns and, and songs, songs. I, I think this is like touching on that same element, right? You're just walking around, you know, if you walk around and people have earphones in and they're going along with the beat or they're singing something, right? People just naturally do this. They just mm-hmm. naturally have a song in their mouth. They just naturally have a song in their head. Yeah. Uh, even me, who's not, music. yeah, I'm not very musically inclined, but I, I would like to think I'm like the least musically inclined person of, uh, that I know of, uh, my friend, <laughs> my, at least connection in my friend group, because everybody I know is musicians and I, I'm not Even all. your brother. Yeah. And, but like, even still, like I'll get a song stuck in my head. I'll have a song in my mouth. Like, you know, you just, it, things are catchy, right? Mm-hmm. And you just tend to walk around sometimes, right? Not all the time, singing something of some sort. And so this yeah. is interesting where it's like, David, I'll bless the Lord at all times. And his praise, like those songs, the singing shall just continually be in my mouth, mm-hmm. right? This, this expression of, of songs and hymns and, um, yeah, of just ringing, this ringing cry, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the ringing, singing, literally singing. Uh, with joy, sure someone probably someone probably described my singing as a ringing cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, that's why I don't even sing. I, yeah, I work. I just work for the singer. I don't do the singing. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, nobody wants to hear me sing. <laughs> <laughs> neither do I. Neither do I neither do I. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there, are, man, there's people out there with good voices, and you need to you need to do what the Psalm Psalm 34 says. Just you know, his praise, his songs, his singing. You're rejoicing. Sometimes it's translated as rejoicing or as um, singing with joy. Like yeah. his singing with joy shall be in my mouth. Well, my sing like God's songs of singing with joy shall be in my mouth. I mean, all of those. I, I think it's just beautiful how there is just like these words that express the full nature of of, of worship. Because we just have one word, right? We say praise and worship, yeah. and then we have songs. We have some instruments, and we just go. But I like how just di- digging into this a little bit, like how many different expressions they were talking about in the, in the old Testament of, of these different words where it's like, you have the reverence, you have the kneeling, the blessing, you have uh, the singing, the ringing cry, you have the praise part, the song of praise. And then um, a lot of the stuff we still do today, just in a slightly different uh, version of it. But I mean, a lot of people, you know, it's still common to kneel, still common to bow. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the singing, we all, I would say all of us enjoy that, <laughs> that part of service at church. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's not much has changed since then, but it's uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's the very basic form. I mean, how we do it has changed, but just the very basics of, you know, including the reverence, yeah. the kneeling, the bowing, the using our voice, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of part. Yeah. And I, I mean, th- this was, again, the verse that had 
both of them, right? Which is, uh, well, this was Bakar, right? To bless, and then his mm -hmm. praise to mouth. But then the singing joy, right? Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. There, you know, that's that that word there of Renan, right? The joyful noise, the singing, you know, out yeah. there. The joyful, the singing with joy, noise to the rock of our salvation, um, which is. You know, that's that's again that singing with joy part, and then um, there's a, again a couple a couple more, which is, is just crazy. Um, there's another one which is I didn't have time to put on here, but I'll read it. Um, which is uh, another word which is gil gil, like literally just gil, like gil. Okay. Which is to rejoice. Okay. Um, so I mean. And it's the example here is in First Chronicles sixteen thirty one, which um, I'll pull up here. First Chronicles. So yeah, David wasn't the only one that was doing the same no, in the Old Testament. I mean, that was that wasn't yeah. unique to him. That was something that you know, a lot of people in the Old Testament, a lot of Israelites did, and of mm -hmm. course, we David's most famous for it, but he wasn't the one that necessarily started it i think maybe he perfected it at the time but he didn't start it no yeah and and it's a lot more common than we think and there's a lot of words here i mean we got again you know to bow down pay homage to we got bakar which is to seek inquire meditate we have barak which is to kneel or bless we have tahela which is um praise or song of praise we have renan or rana which is you know to give a ring cry sing with joy rejoice which was Again, this right here, make yes. it, you know, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our song, salvation. Um, and then we have um, here to Gil, which is to rejoice, which is seen in First Chronicles. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. So this is, I feel like this is like There's a worship a, song in the 90s that used those lyrics. Really? <laughs> the Lord reigns. Yeah, you're right. The Lord reigns. I mean, that's a common phrase, but still some of that. I mean, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of songs that have come out that they don't explicitly say this is from this verse or that verse, mm -hmm. but you'll get reading and be like, oh, this is, someone wrote a song with that passage in there, or someone wrote a song, you know, with this phrase and that, that scripture. And, mm -hmm. um, some of them are explicitly named that, like I know one is, um, it's a worship team called People and Songs. They have one that's based off of Psalm 23. Mm -hmm. um, I know there was... Uh, and there's a couple more. I'm drawing a blank now. Like I can, I can hear the song in my head where I can. I, I remember the melody of it, but I cannot remember which passages. But I mean, there's a lot of uh, worship teams. I mean, they're they're made as worship songs, so I mean, they're there and ready to be sung. But <laughs> not a lot of people you know go digging through for all of them. But I mean, there's some good. There are some good ones that you can that are still relevant to sing today. Mm -hmm. Would you say that worship songs? like in the nineties or further back are more scripturally based or like they literally just sing songs and verses from the Bible more than today. Um, I think there was more of an element of that. Um, it almost seems like we went from some very theologically founded hymns and mm -hmm. um, even stuff going back into the medieval and Renaissance period that was seemed like it was more scripturally based lyrics and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, it seemed like we started up here and we've slowly kind of 
degraded down to the yas and the o's <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> i mean i think i think we're starting to see a little bit of a uh a rebirth of scripturally based songs. worship songs and that, that sounds bad but instead of going from like ideas based off the of scripture mm-hmm. i feel like there's a lot more of like hard scripture yeah. or explicit scripture being put yeah. in worship songs now i think the worship modern worship songs that come out in the last year or two are starting to be more um um scripturally based or theologically grounded <laughs> yeah <laughs> or even in your own experience i think uh what's funny is like i saw a challenge one time where it's like uh distinguish between if this is a modern pop love song and <laughs> and you know people had a hard time distinguishing between the two yeah. Are we singing low, like just a regular love song? But I mean, yep. if you don't explicitly say Jesus in a worship song about Jesus, then you're kind of that's it kind of makes it lose its luster there. Like it's almost yeah, like, like you distinguish between the two. Like you got to show who you're talking about. You can't just be like he and it and you and <laughs> you've yeah. got to actually, like, who are we talking about here? Well, even in your own experience, have you noticed like being in on worship teams, like basically your whole life, have you noticed like a difference in the songs you used to sing, like or like uh, play in a band ten years ago versus like now? Um, I think I think they've gotten musically they've gotten more complicated. Lyrically, I feel like they've gotten a little bit um, better. Uh, back then, it was. I think I think it was kind of an odd, like around 2010, it was kind of an odd point for worship because it was starting to become more popular. And 2010 was, still, was only ten over ten years. Ago. I can't even grasp that. It's like, twelve oh, years actually. Twelve Dang. years ago. <laughs> yeah, someone born in 2010 is twelve years old right now, and that's wow. that's messed up. Too <laughs> oh, old man. I know, but uh, yeah, I think worship was at a worship music was at a weird point in like the late 2010s and the. Uh, or late 2000s and 2010, 2012, kind of mm-hmm. in that range, because it was starting to become more popular to not only Christians, but more of the, it wasn't so confined to the sanctuary, I guess is what I'm saying. It became mm-hmm. more popular to listen to, even on the radio. Like Hillsong. And, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, Hillsong has always been popular in church, but it was starting to become a little bit more mainstream. And the songs, I feel like, were starting to get a little watered down in order to get more playtime. Um, on the radio or just popularity with Christians in general. Mm. And so I think there was a little bit of a lull there in some ways, but then there was other worship teams from different churches that wrote, you know, great songs as mm. far as the scriptural and lyrical content. But I think we're kind of, I think it kind of, uh, kind of hit a middle ground there for a little while. And there's a few spots here and there, a few, worship teams here and there as far as ones that are recorded um, mm-hmm. that we would sing in churches that were really good. And then there was, it seemed like there was a lot that were really bad, but um, it seems like now after it hit maybe it's peak or it's got to a point where it got too commercialized and people are like, all right, we got to, we got to yeah. reground this here. But um, the reformation in the worship. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's gotten better. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That, like I said, that 2010 period was kind of an odd period for worship where it was starting to become like, even now on the radio, it's so much, it's just pretty much dominated by worship bands now. Like there's hardly even any Christian 
artists that just play music anymore. It's all worships the cool thing now. Mm. And yeah, I think you're right. Like, um, it's, it's really weird too because I feel worship needs to be more held with more respect and more reverence. And I feel like when you're specifically making a band to be a worship band and you want to go tour and play worship music and all that kind of stuff, which is fine. But I mean, worship, in my opinion, worship music isn't for clout. That's for worship. <laughs> and if you want to make a living doing music and playing and stuff, worship, I don't think is the way to commercialize and monetize and use God's, it is interesting, though, like, yeah. the, how I didn't realize that until you said that, like, when I was younger, I felt like there was more Christian bands. Yeah. Right? It was just like, they're Christians, but singing about random things that are just like in a just you know, way as long, and not, that's not inappropriate or anything, you know, because, yeah. Christian, but it's just kind of like cool songs. I feel like uh, Toby Max, like the last of a the end of an era. <laughs> big, you know, artists of that era, right? Yeah. And but skill. Yeah. Skilla, yeah, I mean, it's just like they're bands, but they're Christian, right? They're Christian bands, but they're yeah. not singing worship songs necessarily. And then I think now the Christian music world has been kind of eclipsed by mostly worship, right? Yeah. I think you're right. You know, if you put on a Christian mm -hmm. station now versus yeah. 10 years ago, I think it's more worship-based songs than just... And there's a lot of good worship bands out now, uh, too. I mean, don't get me wrong with that, but it's... Uh... And I just feel like people wanting to make a career or use God's name to make a name for themselves with worship and stuff. I feel like it's it gets really touchy really quick using doing that. But like back in the day, like you had Reliant K, you had Skillet, you had Toby Mac, you had um, I'm trying to think of some of the other people. Uh, some of the ones that were on our radio station were like Britt Nicole, Mandisa, Stellar Cart, um, uh, Jars of Clay. Of course, everyone's most hated Casting Crowns and Mercy Me, the infamous, but uh, uh, Chris Tomlin. So it's third day. Third day, yeah. Some of those were good, just good Christian bands. Some of them were more on the worship spectrum, but not full blown worship. Like it was their songs you couldn't, you can worship to them on your own, but you couldn't necessarily play them in a church. Like it was kind of in a weird limbo. Yeah. But, um, but there was definitely a lot more just bands that just played and they were Christian. And now it's, but there was also a lot of bad ones. So I feel like it was like, there was more bad than good. And so everyone just kind of gave up on that and went to the worship because they realized there was a market for that. And yeah. <laughs> so it kind of became a little bit too commercialized, but um, not the worship bands are bad. It's just, like, it's just the motivation is what gets Yeah, that's key, I think. Uh, and I think it's cool, like seeing the different because we again we all just describe these same things of all these categories as the same worship, but then breaking down these categories where it's like we have one, two, three, four, five, six different Hebrew words at least describing different things, and the last one here, which it was gil, right, mm -hmm. is uh, to literally rejoice. Like it's like gratitude. It's like thankfulness. It's like rejoicing. It's like a joyful noise. Um, yeah, like we say, to rejoice, right? You're, this is more yeah. of the celebration word, right? And even says, like, let the heavens be glad, right? Let the yeah. earth rejoice. There's a word there. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Like, this is just cry out of, like, the Lord reigns, the celebratory, this honor, um, which, you know, you see that in the corporate context. And this word, too, shows up all over the psalm. So it's like, even the psalm writers, like, they knew the distinctions between all these six Hebrew words, and they used them in different ways. But like today, we just translated this either 
rejoice, praise, worship. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, even when we're translating the Bible. And so it's interesting how like they had these, dis- you know, different words and distinctions. You know, seems uh, like there's a lot of different uh, or expressions. The, the original biblical writers were a little bit more diverse or more colorful with the words or expressions that they used, but just kind of gets lost in translation to English. Like it's all the same couple words that you're saying, but technically it means a lot more than just those couple words. Yeah. So, I mean, all of these things are what we would say expressive worship. And so maybe we should implement some of those. We should rejoice, be thankful. We should have a ringing sound like singing, right? We should have kneel and bless the Lord. We should seek and inquire and meditate. We should Mm -hmm. bow down and pay homage to and, and worship. So, all these things are a part of that. Um, but another big big thing, which is a, another couple words, which describe what we would say as worship, is founded in their version of the sacrificial system. Mm. Um, what, you know, we would even say, where are you sacrificing our bodies, you know, our bodies as living sacrifice in the New Testament. And we have this New Testament frame of mind where, like, we're not actually sacrificing animals anymore or things, but we're, like, giving ourselves as, in, like, an offering to God. And that seems yeah. kind of like a worship and so some people say, oh, that's what worship is. Worship mm-hmm. is the old version of what sacrifice is. Um, and, you know, so there's a lot of, again, there's, there's a really big umbrella of the word worship. Yeah. But if we're going there to to these words, um, this was back in, actually, this was a really old publication I found from 1889, kind of a oh, word, wow. word study. Um, what was the, yeah, the University of Chicago Press. But they kind of broke down some of these words uh, as well, and within the sacrificial con- context. And so we have michna, which is like offering, literally means like an offering, right? Okay. Um, this is, you know, denoting um, primarily a simple gift or present. So, you know, they, they gave gifts at the altar. And we even see Jesus, you know, respond to this because this was same, the same, you know, similar Jewish context where it's like, if you leave your mm-hmm. gift, uh, if you present your gift at the altar and you haven't forgiven somebody, leave your gift there and go reconcile with your brother and then come back. And <clears throat> so there's this like gift giving, right? Uh, sense of, of sacrifice here. The, the yeah, even though we don't sacrifice animals, like you said, we give something. And that's, yeah, know, in our context now, we'd say, like you said, give ourselves or mm-hmm. we give our worship, we give our singing, we give our talents, our abilities, you know. Yeah, and in this context, this word was was less. It's not um, the actual sacrifice of animals, but it was like simply an offering or a present. Um, then we have um, korban, or can't even say that word, Cor- korban, uh, <laughs> which is the, the cumin, the cough, man. Uh, it's hard to pronounce. Uh, to bring, it's like to bring near, to present, um, a, like a gift, or uh, it, it's more of like for like a gift to God. So it says here, um, it's all, this word is only used or always used as a gift from man to God and not from man to man. So when okay. you were a Korban, this is like a, a gift, an offering to God, right. Uh, or sacrifice, right. Yeah. This, this is, um, you know, seen in, in the tabernacle and, and this ancient, um, you know, these Hebrew customs. So we have some of these distinctions here. We have like present offering. We have, uh, you know, this offering from man to God. And, we and as have- far as like the sacrifice part goes, even though, like I said, we're not sacrificing animals uh, in our busy nonstop hundred mile an hour lives. Um, one way that we could bring a sacrifice to God is sacrificing our time. 
mm-hmm. sacrificing your time to come to church, time to worship. I mean, we're all busy and it's sure you could use those couple hours to do something else, but yeah. you're, you know, even your time is a sacrifice. And even as Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, like all the, you know, all yeah. the things, right? <laughs> uh, not just one thing. And then here we have, um, we get the word for sacrifice, right? And more of the um, bloody animal context. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to pronounce this word, but zebcha, right? Zebcha is the like sacrificial, like to kill and slaughter. Okay. Right. This is, of course, where we're getting the, uh, used to be supposedly um, for killing animal for food, but then later became for killing for the purpose of a sacrifice to a, de- to a deity. Um, okay. When you're... <clears throat> Or zebcha, you're using as a sacrifice, killing an animal, slaughtering an animal for as an offering to a deity, right? And this is God. So these words are again used. So even in the sacrificial system, they they have different words and distinctions for yeah. Uh, and then we have another word which is hola, right? Not the Spanish hi. Uh, <laughs> I actually learned. Funny enough, this word itself was on my flashcard uh, when I was um, in my uh, Hebrew like learning really? class. Yeah. And uh, Ola, which I already knew this word, is like a burnt offering or like a offering that is fully burnt, right? Mm-hmm. This, again, is um, another sacrifice. You know, we see this in the sacrifice in the Old Testament Levitical system. It's mm-hmm. like a burnt offering, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, this is, we got a comment here. This was kind of interesting. The burnt offering at the temple was the korban. Interesting. Yeah, so the, again, we have that uh, going back to the word or Horban, that it's a, a bringing a, to present, to brought near a gift that signifies always a gift from man to God, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it says it may denote an offering of a meal, which is seen in Leviticus, uh, of fruits, which is also seen in Leviticus, of mm-hmm. animals for sacrifice, uh, verse, you know, chapter 1, verse 2, and chapter 3, verse 6, uh, or any gifts such as gold and silver, uh, utensils for the tabernacle, wagon, etc., such in Numbers chapter seven. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. definitely possible. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's it's kind of uh, all encompassing mm-hmm. offering there, but this is within the um, system of sacrifice, Levitical sacrifice, and and burnt offerings. And so then we have hatah, right, which is a sin offering. Okay. Uh, so. This was also my flashcard, <laughs> and there's another word which I just forgot, which was also in my learning studies, which is the word for sin, which means literally missing the mark. But mm-hmm. this one, different word, it could mean sin or sin offering. This is um, kind of like a um, a word to, you know, it's it's like a specific type of offering, right, for sin, okay. for, for atonement. Uh, so this is, uh, I think it actually describes this, so... This word of sin, almost every other instance we have already noted yada, yada, that this is a common Hebrew term for sin and that it means literally a missing of the mark, right? Uh, hence a failure to attain the divine standard for human conduct. This is general conception underlying the word, but in the Levitical legislation in the meeting it has transformed from the sin itself to the sacrifice presented in the uh, expiation of the sin. So this is um, kind of, you know how they did in the old, old Levitical system where you know, they take the the animal and they kind of transfer this in, right? To yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. animal and they slaughter it, right? This this was a sin offering because there's different types of offerings. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, the next one is 
uh, guilt offerings. So there's sin offerings, there's guilt offerings, guilt, guilt offerings are um, asham or asham. Again, <laughs> really hard to you know yeah. pronounce these words, but um, this one is used. Um, it's primarily referenced to the guilt is carried over to the guilt offering. The precise difference between this word uh, and uh, like hatath, which is the previous word, and uh, asham is obscure and has never been satisfactorily cleared up, which I think today the scholarship has kind of made better distinction between them. Um, that, but they have a lot in common. But essentially, it's atonement for guilt, right? Okay. It's do with sin and atonement in the, in the Levitical system. Uh, and then we have Kippur, and this, you know, coincides with, of course, the Yom Kippur. holiday of Yom Kippur, right? The, okay. the day of atonement, which Yom means day, Kippur is, you know, basically to make atonement. Okay. Uh, and that's another um, word in the, in the context of Hebrew, of, of the Levitical sacrificial system um, to, to make atonement. And so, I mean, they have, they have a bunch of different words describing, I mean, that was already like six words just within the context of the sacrificial system. And then the six words that we use for praise, adoration, um, blessing, uh, kneeling, falling prostrate, right? And, and right. so, and, but all of these things we would say today is like under the umbrella of worship. Yeah. And a lot of different expressions, even our, in our vague definition of, wor of worship, we say it's, you know, an expression, right? A type of expression to a deity. Um, but there's, you know, when you really dig into what it was like in the Old Testament, they mm -hmm. had official system, they had, you know, guilt offerings, they had um, guilt, sin offerings, gift offerings just simply gifts right mm -hmm. uh, they had um praise they had singing praise they had rejoicing and gladness and thankfulness they had the kneeling and blessing of the lord they had the um honoring and reverence the bowing down every time you see the bowing down right that's that word there um so i think at some element we should reflect and think okay maybe we should try some of these things right we should yeah. get those and that's how they uh um, the killing the animal part. don't do that what was that Except killing the animal part. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jesus is our sacrifice there, right? So we, yeah. we kind of do that a little differently. Like Paul says, we offer ourselves. Yeah, a, a lot of the motivation and the, um, the uh, I guess, symbolism as to why we do a lot of these things is, you know, they pretty much had the same motivation in the Bible in the Old Testament. It's just they expressed it in a different way. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our reasons for worshiping or objectives for worshiping that we have today you know, it was the same stuff that, you know, all the ancient Israelites did and they've been doing all the way since the Old Testament. It's just the uh, the way we express it has changed. And I'm glad you so, said that because that leads perfectly in, in the other, other article I, I had, which was elements of Old Testament worship, which okay. is very different than today, right? Because it was in this context where it was more sacramental or was more liturgical, it was more systematic. Um, and so... Even here, it's like it says here, um, you know, the English word for worship is unique, making the translation to other languages difficult. And we already seen in this case, you know, two Hebrew words express the general idea. Mm -hmm. uh, one carries the idea of service, um, which is like religious service. And the other one to bow down, which is the one we, we discussed, right? Which is uh, denotes an individual participation in worship. Right. Um, so, you know, the ancient Hebrews and like it says, and their neighbors, right? They, they had holy places. Right. This was altars, pillars, trees. Uh, there was church leadership, which was um, part of this, ser these services, right? Which like priests and prophets. 
Uh, mm -hmm. They'd have rituals. They would have sacrifice. Uh, oftentimes on holy days, they would do it on festivals or Sabbaths or certain times of the year, mm -hmm. right? So there's definitely a lot of formal, uh, what you would think today as more like Lutheran, Catholic, Anglican, Eastern Orthodox, they have more of a liturgical. So that's more of like Old Testament. Like it would more, look more like that than it would like a Protestant church today. Like our Old Testament mm -hmm. temple services were definitely not like Hillsong. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, as, uh... Old Testament, you know, when you have priests, you have the the sacrificial system. There, it's definitely more of a reverent, um, mm -hmm. liturgical, systematic way of doing things. Um, and I like this comment here in the article because it says, assuming that because Israelite worship was ritualistic, it was in it was insincere or impersonal. You know, some people think right. From early times, Israel's leaders insisted that only worship performed with a wholehearted dedication of self could be effective or acceptable. The mm -hmm. inward spiritual attitude was that the determining factor in worship, that Israel's worship does not always fulfill these qualifications is clear, and it stands judged by its own standards. So, you know, that, that's why even we see in the Old Testament, it's like, I don't care about your animals and burnt sacrifice. Like, your heart. Yeah. like the Lord was you know, rebuking the people of Israel. Yeah. Um, so... I think today, especially from a more non-denominational tradition, is that we we abhor tradition. We're like, no, nothing, <laughs> right? And we think that it religion, like uh, religious or ritualistic expressions of worship, are somehow like less sincere. And we kind of have that that view, right? Yeah. Kind of um, gone from one extreme to the other. That's not the case for Israelites, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, there's that temptation. To just okay, it's just a tradition. We just do it. But you know, God required then, like, hey, seek me with your whole heart. Like, worship me with your whole heart. Serve me with your whole heart. And so there was, even though they were doing a ritualistic act with the sacrificial system of and um, going to the priest and administering a very organized service in the temple in a specific place, right? This was on specific holy days. Even though that was the case. Mm -hmm. There were still these sincere expressions of faith and worship through that. Yeah. Sometimes people need that, um, and sometimes people don't. So sometimes it's actually an aid to. It's like I don't know what to do. It's like how do I worship God? Well, sometimes having those yes, yeah, um, those forms already and then rituals available um, helps people get in that mindset. Or you're going to a holy place. You're doing you know these these acts, right? Um, you're doing the sacrifice, right? that helps people get in the mindset of reverence and to a holy God. And so I think some of that is lost when we abandon some tradition, right? That we lose some of that balance on and reverence and um, expression, but there's mm -hmm. pros and cons, right? There's pros and cons to both. And, but the of idea course, is, of course, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And God wants our heart at the end of the day, but sometimes, you know, people have a hard time just connecting with yeah. God. Sometimes they like, let's go back. Hey, go back to the Old Testament. Look at these different expressions of worship. Uh, do those things, right? Do what they yeah. did and encounter God. Um, so that, I mean, that is one way. And for it, and it did, it was similar to the ancient, other ancient Near Eastern cultures. I mean, uh, some people have put it into three categories. So all like worships, ritualistic services, and uh, included three elements. Um, Basically, that something is done, something is depicted, and something is uttered. 
right? Okay. So that, that's basically a defining char- defining characteristics of of um, ancient religious services uh, in mm-hmm. general, right? And, and you look at the Hebrews, and they were no exception. Yeah. That uh, there is something that is done, right? Whether it's a literal gift, a sacrifice of some some level, there is a literal bowing down, something, an act that is done, right? There's something that's done, then there's something that's depicted, right? We're um, having these ideas about God, this reverence, right? Um, there's things that are depicted, whether it's in um, ritual objects. I mean, they had the menorah, they had the the, the washing, they had the, the altar, right? Uh, there's something depicted there, right? Yeah. You're getting a sense of who God there's is. A visual aspect. There's, a, there's some visual aspect. Uh, something is uttered. So then whether it's the priest or the prophet or somebody uh, administering or you yourself, which is singing, um, repeating words or, or singing a hymn or a song um, or confession. So all of these things were aspects of ancient Israelite worship, right? There's something that's uttered either by them or the one administering the service. Um, there's something depicted and then there's something that is actually done, right? Yeah. And I think that's interesting, like when we look back um, at how they did ancient religious services of like looking at us today, it's like, obviously we're not going back to the sacrificial system. Obviously we're not doing certain things, but it's like, I wonder if we should always, we should have kind of the same category of three. It's like, okay, are we doing something? Are we just sitting in a pew and doing nothing the whole service? Or is there something that we're doing in participation? Uh, in yeah. the uh, are we singing, are we uttering something right? In this case, are we praying? Are we singing songs? And uh, is there something depicted? Are we getting a sense of who God is and and what our eyes should be on, right? And who knows? You might help uh, motivate someone else to do the same thing. Absolutely, yeah. And um, some of, some of these things are, um, like I said, not unique to the Hebrew cultures, and so we have to kind of see what their mindset is and thinking. And so even way before. Moses and even uh, the time of Abraham or even before they were um, worshiping other gods in Babylon in these other cultures and they had their own songs of praise and that you know have some similarities I mean there's this this one to to Ishtar which is this goddess and they're saying you know how, how most awe-inspiring right how mm. awesome of goddess right um, let the Mistress of the women folk be praised, right? The, <laughs> the women greatest. Folk. <laughs> yeah, I love that translations, right? <laughs> um, it's like uh, she's clothed in and all this stuff, right? Uh, yeah. It, it, it's like th- there's all this this praise language. You know, the pure goddess command comes from her. Um, she carries the fate of the world in her hands. Attention and prosperity comes into being helpful spirits of all kinds, things like that, right? Um, powerful, exalted, fabulous is their status. So there's this exaltation, right? Yeah. Uh, that was another word I, I didn't put in the in the list here, but, you know, that God is exalted uh, or exalting God. That that was another word in the Hebrew. Again, another distinction there. Um, and so there is this reverence that other ancient Near Eastern cultures had for the divine. And mm. so, but it was transactional, just kind of like, and very, um, there was liturgical, that was that form. They had services, they had religious services, they had priests as well. So this isn't unique to um, Israel, right? Yeah. But in the Israelite expression, you see this slow shift 
right? Where they're doing the same things. They're having reverence to God. They're bowing down to the deity. They're uh, singing songs. Uh, they're performing sacrifices. They're doing these different things. But again, it's becoming a little less transactional where it's like, hey, God doesn't care about it. just the just the stuff, right? He cares about your heart. You're not just appeasing us so that we can bless your land. I mean, because the Mesopotamian deities, they, it, you know, they're very pessimistic. The religion, yeah. it's like, we got to keep the gods happy because you know <laughs> we got it. We need rain. Um, yeah, they might destroy, decide to destroy us on whim. Yeah, uh, you know, they're <laughs> arbitrary. But it's in like then you read the Psalms and you read, you know, how God is depicted in the Old Testament. It's like He is steadfast in His love. He is patient, right? He is yeah. not arbitrary, right? He is. He does not change. Um, and he's long, he wants a loving relationship. Again, it's still somewhat more transactional than what we would think today, right? Uh, just a pure relationship. There is mm -hmm. the ritual acts. There is the sacrificial system. There is this, um, you know, kind of liturgy in the old Testament where, um, you know, the, the practices, right? So it might seem transactional and it's very similar to the cultures of the day, but God is, again caring about the heart and you see that kind of bleed through the, the pages of the old testament where god is yeah. wanting the heart of the people um and i think that it helps us to to see it's like wow and it's almost convicting where it's like if you see israelites back then and then even other cultures at the time having so much reverence for false deities yeah <laughs> and how they're like wow it's like they're, they're singing praises and yet here we call ourselves christian and we're not even singing praises to our god <laughs> You know, and it's, yeah. it's, that should be, you know, something that we need to, to implement. We need to implement, implement some of these things of bowing down and kneeling and blessing the Lord, singing praises and have, lifting a joyful noise, right? Of rejoicing and yeah, uh, all these concepts, right? Worship uh, is definitely a multifaceted discipline, that's for sure. Absolutely. And so it's more than just songs that you um, hear on a Sunday morning yeah. on a Wednesday night service. It's a little bit of all these things that we explained. And so hopefully by explaining all these different aspects or elements of what we would call worship that are different words in the Hebrew that we can kind of in our own lives implement some of those things, right? As well. Uh, the last thing is I wanted to, to kind of um, go over was that in ancient Israelite worldview, right? In ancient um, Near Eastern even worldview. Social context social context is that they connected deities with land, mm. right? Um, that, you know, this land has this deity, uh, that land has that, you know, the God of Greece, the God of the Persians, the God of the Babylonians, right? And, and that's so, what we would call like a cosmic geography, right? Cosmic geography and like just this sense that, uh, oh, we're entering another, <laughs> you know, another yeah. territory. And so there's this kind of like uh, element of trying to appease that God. Yeah. So if you were to travel, right, let's just say you were taken to Babylon, right, or something, then uh, there would be this expectation to bow and worship Marduk of Babylon, mm -hmm. right, or the, you know, Ishtar and, and the different deities of the land. Um, but what's interesting and kind of different with, and this is where you see that divergence with the Hebrews, where they're trying, God is, you know, this emerging monotheism, where yeah. it's like exclusive, yeah, exclusivity, I, don't know, I can't even say the word right <laughs> exclusive right it's just exclusivity yeah i'm not even saying it right but exclusive. <laughs> i need to take an english class my gosh uh, <laughs> um but you see this where god commands joshua to conquer a new land 
mm-hmm. in Canaan. And he tells him, when you enter the land of the Lord, and, and this is you know Deuteronomy 18.9, uh, when you enter the land of the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Hmm. Uh, and even in Leviticus 18.3, uh, you know, according to the, you know, doings of the land of Egypt where you dwell, uh, while you dwelt, past tense, you shall not do, you know, these things. And according to the doings of the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you to. So you're not to do the customs of the people. You're not supposed to worship. And in other places, too, it's like, don't worship the gods. Like, it's yeah. Yahweh alone, the Lord alone um, that you worship. And like, even in Joshua went there it's like and me and my house we will serve the lord yeah um, so there is this you know exclusive worship to yahweh where it's like i'm going into a foreign land and yet instead of respecting the deities of the land now we're like we're bringing god to the land right what, yeah. this is the land that god had given us and we will still worship him and him alone in this new land because technically uh, it's all god's land yes Yes, and that's why it's like that revelation to the Israelites where it's like, hey, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, right, to, in the Psalms, uh, the world and all that is in it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this perception of like, oh, God is the God of all creation. And it's like, if you go to another land, you're not respecting the local deity, like you are serving the Lord alone. And who was the guy, um, trying to remember which country he traveled to, but he came to Israel and um, worshiped God. And he was like, I need to bring some dirt from Israel back home with me to pray. I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's what I was going next. Okay. <laughs> you're like reading my mind right now. You're just I know. Like, we you're tend right. to do that somehow. Um, yeah, I actually had it pulled up on my Bible right here. Nice. Um, in Second Kings 5, Naaman, who's healed okay. leprosy. And so it says, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper, which, you know, that stinks in the ancient world. Right. Uh, yeah. Now the Syrians on one uh, on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, uh, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. Uh, she said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the, the prophet who is in Samaria? he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, thus and so spoke the girl of the land of Israel. Um, And the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And so he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000. And I'll kind of skip through this. Basically, he gets healed of uh, his leprosy, right? So he's he's this guy from a foreign land who's Mm you know pagan deities he comes to israel he gets uh healed right which is or samaria you know technically um and so he's in this area he gets healed by the prophet and now he's going back and in verse uh 17 says if you will not said naaman please let me your servant be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the lord and so this is interesting this gives you like a a little sense of what the worldview was like at the time because here's this guy from a pagan nation coming in where he knows that um the deities are connected to the land right Uh, own the land and it's like if i go to a foreign place like that that's the god of that land and so he's coming and he's like whoa this i want to serve israel's god and so Mm -hmm. if he goes back to Syria, he's like, 
well, I'm going to have to serve the Syrian God. So he's like, oh, let me get a bunch of dirt and just put it on there. So now I'm on holy ground. Now I'm on his mm. territory so that God can, the God of Israel can recognize me, right? Where it's like, I'm worshiping him and him alone. And so we think of that like, oh, that's ridiculous. But it's like, yeah. that was our worldview at the time. Yeah. And you see these seeds being sown in this kind of progressive revelation where it's like God, the whole earth is God's, right? Yeah. Is the one true God of Yahweh. And he owns it all. And he has taken, um, you know, taken the keys, you know, death and Hades you say that, from the other deities, right? That whole thing. It's like. And I do still think there is a element to cosmic geography um, still. Well, yeah, uh, if you walk around, but it's just not physical ground. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, you see that where it's like, if you go to a place that's even today, if you yeah. go to some places in India or South America or anywhere, really where it's like there's a lot of pagan worship and a yeah. certain thing where it's, and they're literally practicing it, right? Like even some demonic stuff, you will feel a presence change. Oh yeah. <laughs> like the, that area, right? Uh, it's just. Even like, just going to a building or a shop or a store of something that's crazy like that. Like, um, you know, even like new age, like, healing crystals and like all those kinds of weird places like that. Even going there, it's kind of spidey senses are tingling, even though it's a little <laughs> forefront. And, uh, or even just even driving by, like, I remember when we lived in South Florida, there was a church that was literally for like witches and warlocks to like get supplies and like materials to do whatever the heck they do. And, uh, yeah, you can definitely feel that walking by it. And, mm -hmm. uh, I remember, I remember my dad and my my dad's pastor, uh, and he, uh, him and my mom, or maybe it was just him. Yeah, at any time it was right by a Dairy Queen. So of course in South Florida you go to Dairy Queen semi often, <laughs> and uh, so whenever we would go, he'd always pray that it would close down or whatever. Eventually it did close down. It wasn't around for a long time, but um, but yeah, you can definitely feel it whenever you're around stuff like that. So I mean. Now, sometimes it's a country, sometimes it's a store, sometimes it's a city. Um, it just depends on the spiritual climate of whatever the location is. But I, I love it, like here with uh, Joshua, even these commands, like where you're a child of God. Now, it's not just you, you're in your household, right? You're just serving God there. But like wherever you go, now you are bringing the gospel. You are bringing the kingdom of God. You are uprooting yeah. the dark spiritual forces of that area right that have maybe mm -hmm. um so you're walking there. in you're walking in with a passport or a backstage pass or you're, whatever you're you want to call it but <laughs> uh kind of not conquering but you know it, it's like you you are in enemy territory and you're kind of like physically like oh i'm worshiping god here and you know mm -hmm. we have these cultural elements of like even today where we'll be in certain environments and we won't will be like open to like pray. And then it's like, we go to a really like, uh, I don't know, secular place and mm. we're afraid to like pray over our food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and nobody, who's going to look at me like, right. If I pray. Right, yeah. And it's like that, just like all that judgment. Right. Um, but it is like that confidence. I think we need to, to have with in the same way that Joshua went into new territory and yet had, um, not follow the customs mm -hmm. of people, but like, let's follow the Lord here. Like, no matter where I set my foot, I'm going to serve the Lord. 
where yeah. I'm going to a new land. That land isn't a foreign deities. That land is the Lord's and I'm going to serve the Lord wherever I go. Uh, and so, but again, that's our modern context. Going back to the Israelites, their form of worship, again, they're very much in this ancient Near Eastern mindset of deity is connected to land. And so this must have been such a, a yeah. like word world shattering thing where it's like, okay, I'm like, of course I'm expanding, you know, the territory of my deity says, you know, he's going to conquer. Right. And, uh, but like wherever I go, even with the deportation to Babylon, like you have, you know, the Jews in Babylon and Daniel and Ezekiel and all these, and it's like, they're, they're not going to worship the gods there. I'm in a foreign place, but I'm not going to bow down to the golden image. I'm not going to mm-hmm. worship foreign deities. I'm going to serve the Lord. And, uh, you know, that, that's just a powerful thing um, at that time where, you know, their worldview is kind of shifting where I'm not just going to serve in the syncret, you know, uh, syncretistic way, the deity wherever I, you know, the local deity of the land. I'm going to serve only the Yahweh wherever I go. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's good to get a sense of that. And it's like, again, when we say worship, it's all of these different expressions. It's It was, you know, to them, it was the sacrificial system and all those words associated with that, with guilt offering, atonement. Um, burnt a lot off. of layers to it. Layers, a lot of layers. And then even what we were talking about with, you know, Bacar, which is to bless. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Tahala, which is to sing a praise. And, you know, all these Hebrew words, which is to to express different things, right? Which I think yeah. we should implement our own lives. And even again, to bow down, literally to bow down and worship. It's the same, but different at the same time. Distinction yeah. without a difference, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Again, we have this big umbrella called worship, and yet we see all of these different uh, yeah. layers and words and expressions in the in the Old Testament. And I was kind of surprised. You know, the Old Testament mm-hmm. has, you know, you think, oh, is there even worship in the Old Testament? It's like, yeah, there's worship in the Old Testament. And it looks a little different. You know, it's a little more formal. It's a little more within the context of the temple, the holy yeah. place, right? The holy days. Um, but even... Some of the words are associated with that, but then some of the words, like even David, were just singing praise. That happened even outside of the ritualistic holy areas and, and times. It's like David just, your praise will always be on my mouth, in my mouth, and I will sing praise wherever I am at. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I think that covers a lot of it. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot we're leaving out with through the Psalms, especially, but these are just some examples of worship and high points. Kind of the high points of worship in the Old Testament, the different expressions of worship in the Old Testament, the different words yeah. that they kind of represented to them at that time in their culture, again, in this this mindset. Um, and maybe we can apply some of those things today to, to yeah. our lives as well. Definitely um, a lot of good stuff, a lot to think about, a lot to chew on. Um, I know we went over a little bit of, uh, we're saying we wanted to keep it to like 45 to an hour, but I mean, I, yeah. think, Jesus, I think Jesus will understand. But <laughs> we get better and better with getting our shorter and shorter episode times. Um, but as but, far as I mean, as long as the content's good, you know, I think we'll be <laughs> we'll be all right. But uh, yeah. yeah. So as we I guess wrap it up, is there any closing thoughts you want to give? I know we kind of yeah, uh, comments like always because I know the last like five minutes or so we always looked at like to look at the comments. Um, Say what's up to everybody. Yeah. So it's a go team DB. We should yeah. just call it. BB, biblical BB. <laughs> BB. <laughs> BB8. Um, yeah, and I like this. He said, adoration is a Catholic word, too. That makes yeah. sense because I'm thinking the Latin, you know, influence of Spanish adoration. I mean, we have the same word here in English adoration. I don't know. We should research that. Like, where did the word worship come from? That's itself? good. Yeah. I mean, I, I gave a good de- a general definition of what it means today, and then I give the Hebrew definitions of what it meant in the Old Testament. But 
it's like I need to do like a historical where did the English word worship come from as opposed to why other languages use adoration instead. Um, and we have both words, which is kind of interesting. That's a good uh, point. You know, uh, I learned a lot of things, guys. Awesome. Nice spontaneous no stream. So, yeah, it's it's not really spontaneous uh, because we did move to Sunday nights. So that is, you know, just for everybody to know, uh, we are on Sunday nights now instead of we had Tuesday nights before, I think, last mm. year. So, yeah, 6 p.m. Um, my time, Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Sunday nights. We'll try to go for an hour. I mean, an hour, hour and a half at most for our mm. streams. And uh, we, we might not, um, this is big too. We're not going to be here next week. So next, oh, yes. next Sunday is my brother's wedding. <laughs> so that's kind of an important thing. That's, yeah, that's a big deal. <laughs> we'll, both, we'll both be there. So obviously sometimes if it's just one of us gone, we'll still try to do the stream just alone. Like one of us just carry it along. But if we're both gone, then clearly it's going to be a week off. <laughs> so, yeah. Like I said, I mean, we, yeah, we both, it's that time of the semester where we're things are ramping up and we got midterms and we got exams and all that. So we'll try to stay on as often as we can to hang out with you guys. But of course, like you said, brother's wedding, it's kind of yeah. big deal. Yeah, <laughs> so that one will be there and then we'll be back soon. So we'll be in, in Florida. We'll meet in person. I don't know. Again, yeah. that'll be cool. But the following week, we should be back on to continue our series with worship in the New Testament, which I'm wondering if we should do like worship in the intertestamental period because we did the apocalypse. Mm -hmm and stuff but we'll see maybe yeah um, we'll to talk about that. But we're continuing through a time period we got the started with the old testament and we're kind of going through now to um all the way to modern day worship expressions but yeah we are we'll be on sunday nights as often as we can be not next week but probably the week after uh i say good luck with the, the new series thank you, thank you. review um some other comments here latin dulia is worship of saints latria is worship of god christ oh interesting See, I don't, I don't know Latin. I need to definitely, <laughs> at some point when I get through learning all these Semitic languages, I need to come back and get some Please Latin. Chandler, you don't even know Latin. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Only know Hebrew. Jeez, I'm slacking here. You know. <laughs> and then, hence, Catholic worship of saints is more appropriately rendered as adoration. Oh, interesting. Adoration, nice. oh. You can see some of those root words there. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Nice. Yeah, I found the Hebrew word interesting over um, of the gifts only being used uh, for for God, uh, from man to God, offering man to God. Um, uh, it refers to present from man to man. This is michna, right? But it could be to God. But then we have present. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Let's going back to that. Um, yeah. So. From man to God only was the uh, was the word. Yeah, I can't remember which one that was either. Try to just see a sacrifice for himself. Offered to a deity, yeah. So it's a uh, offering. But yeah, that was. Uh, I think we covered covered a lot here. Um, the last comment here: Christ also accepts worship. In the New Testament, the bowing and worship, especially prostration. Yeah, the, the word that was the the first word that we covered earlier in the stream, which is uh, to bow down, to bow down, to pay homage to, to worship. That's so, a word you definitely got to be careful with prostration. <laughs> <it> sound like <laughs> a, 
but to literally fall down at the feet of Jesus, right? I think of Daniel's, you know, vision too, um, where he's just bowing down. Yeah. Fully. It doesn't yeah. hurt to do that every once in a while. Yeah, bow down in reference to God. That's that's a big takeaway here. All right. Um, well, yeah, I think we'll end it there. Um, so, we'll again, we won't see you next week, but the week after that, uh, we probably will, starting with New Testament stuff. So, um, but it was great. First, first um, part of the series in the books with um, yeah. worship in the Old Testament. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, any final thoughts, Seth? Yeah, I think it's uh, it was definitely uh, very interesting going into the kind of like how worship was in the Old Testament, like you were saying, learning the different aspects of it. Um, I know I definitely it was eye opening and learned a lot with that. So. Uh, I think that was a good one to cover. So I'm glad we got to go over that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Looking forward to, you know, keeping it going. And uh, like I said, we'll be here next week, but hopefully the week after that we'll be good to go mm-hmm. and uh, keeping the ball rolling. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you guys. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you later.